Merry-Go-Round Storytelling presents Test Valley Tales with Amanda Kane-Smith. Hello, I'm Amanda. Welcome to the Test Valley Tales podcast. This podcast features the stories from my illustrated book called Test Valley Tales. Each week, I'll be telling a traditional story based in a real location in the beautiful borough of Tess Valley, which, if you're not from round here, is in Hampshire, in England, in the UK. All the stories are different, but they are all magical in one way or another. So whether you're curious about strange-looking dragons or magical wish-giving fish, enchanted trees or even spooky ghost legends, I'm sure there'll be a tale here for everyone. And if you're listening locally, I hope you may want to go out and explore the place the story is set and maybe see if you can find some of the things I refer to there. I can't promise you'll meet any of the magical creatures, but... If you do come across any, please say hello from me. Well, I think it's time to get on with this week's tale. So, make yourselves comfortable and I will set the scene. This week's Test Valley tale is The Feuding Farmers of Harmony Woods. Over the hills and not so very far away from Vernon Dean, there is a little village called Enham Alamein. And on the edge of the village, there is a little lane. Walk up the lane and you will soon see some steps with a big wooden gate at the top. Walk through the gate and it will take you into an open space, a field where young trees are beginning to grow and wild flowers cover the ground like a shaggy carpet of yellow, blue and white in the spring and summer. This is Harmony Woods. If you look to the right, you will see the red and cream bricks of the shiny new houses on the edge of Andover. And to the left, the green grass of the countryside that stretches to the horizon. This is a beautiful, tranquil place which has had many guises over the years. Lines have been drawn in the dirt and boundaries created. Settlements have come and gone. And many people have claimed ownership of this little English paradise. But I wonder, what does it really mean to own land? Can we really own a piece of land? And if the land could speak, what would she have to say about it? Private land, said the two signs that stood on either side of the meadow, 
and no one dared to ignore them. Only the fairy folk stayed, hidden in the mud and the long grasses, but then they never cared much for the silly rules of humans. On one side of the meadow was Townside Farm, and on the other, Countryside Farm. Both were owned by very grumpy farmers, and their names were Farmer Town and Farmer Country. Farmer Town was a tall, thin man who liked to say things like, I say, jolly good show, as he walked around his farm with his nose in the air and his mouth turned down like a piece of floppy spaghetti. Farmer Country, on the other hand, was small and round. He liked to say things like, Art, that's a tizzy wazzy and no mistake, as he walked around his farm wearing a toothless grin on his face which never quite reached his eyes. Both men loved the land and were proud to own lots of it. And they both worked extremely hard to own as much of it as they could. But although they had lots in common, they were not friends. In fact, they refused to speak to each other and the thing is, nobody really knew why. Even Farmer Town and Farmer Country could not remember why they didn't speak. It was all to do with an argument they'd had a long, long, long time ago. But because the argument had happened such a long, long, long time ago, neither of them could remember what the argument was about. They had just fallen into the habit of it, a bad habit, like biting your nails or picking your nose. And because they were in the habit of not being friends, they never spoke to each other. And because they never spoke to each other, they both presumed that they owned the beautiful meadow which lay between their farms. And one balmy, wet day at the end of summer, this was about to cause a big problem. Farmer Town had been busy harvesting in his fields. It had been a long, hard day, and now he had finished, he decided to go for a little walk to relax. He soon found himself by the gate that led to the meadow at the edge of his farm. He leaned on the gate and looked out across the meadow. He took in a deep breath of the cool, fresh air and declared to himself, I say... What a superb place to own. I expect farmer country must be dreadfully jealous. I think I'll go for a jolly stroll across the grass. It is a tad cloudy, but it looks like the rain will hold off for a while. And with that, he opened the gate and marched across the meadow in his Wellington boots. It just so happened that at the exact same time on the exact same day, Farmer Country had had the exact same idea. He had decided to go for a little walk to relax and found himself by the gate that led to the meadow at the edge of his farm. He leaned on the gate and looked out across the meadow. He took in a deep breath of the cool, fresh air and declared to himself, Art, that's a fine piece of land to own and no mistake. 
Reckon that farmer town be jealous of it. Think I'll go for a walk. The weather is in a bit of a tizzy wazzy today, but doubt it'll rain anywhen soon. And with that, he opened the gate and stomped across the meadow in his Wellington boots. So now, both the farmers were walking across the meadow, unknowingly heading towards each other. Farmer town from one side and farmer country from the other, both lost in their own thoughts. They knew the locals referred to this place as the Enchanted Meadow, and tales of tiny fairies had been passed down through generations, but, being practical men, they both knew better than to listen to such tittle-tattle. However, on an evening such as this, even they could understand how these stories could exist. Suddenly, the farmer's thoughts were jolted firmly back to reality as each one saw the other walking across the meadow bold as brass. What a cheek, they each thought. They both stopped. For a moment, the two men considered turning around. They had better things to do than to talk to their neighbour. But... Pride of ownership overcame their awkwardness so slowly and intently they began to walk towards each other. Their eyes narrowed and their fists clenched at their sides like a couple of cowboys in an old film. When they got to the middle of the meadow, both men stopped and stared. It was Farmer Town who spoke first. Get off my land, he shouted. Farmer Country could hardly believe his ears. Get off my land, he shouted back. I think, dear sir, you'll find this land is my land, condescended Farmer Town. Don't you dear sir me, you pompous old twit. This land belongs to me, bellowed Farmer Country. How dare you speak to me in that way, you gormless twerp? If you know what is good for you, you will remove yourself from my land right away. Well, that's not going to happen anywhen soon, because this land belongs to me. And so it continued. It does not belong to you. It's mine. No, it's mine. It's mine, I tell you. No, it's not. It's mine. Both men had now completely lost control of their senses and were behaving like two young children squabbling over a favourite toy. And because they were so set in their ways and were so sure the meadow was theirs, they became crosser and crosser, ruder and ruder, until frustration soon turned their words into a fight. Two grown men fighting over a piece of land. How silly. They shook their fists furiously at each other. Then, when neither backed down, they pushed and shoved. Pushing turned to grabbing and grabbing to grappling. Fighting was not something either man was used to and, with their arms now locked around each other and their feet splayed out wide behind, they looked like a couple of crabs having a dance on a beach. And what a curious dance it was. 
First, they began shuffling in a circle one way. Then they shuffled back the other. Feeling a little dizzy, they began to shimmy sideways. They shimmied to the left. They shimmied to the right. They pushed forwards. They pulled backwards, all the time shouting, Get off my land! in their loudest possible voices. Farmer Town and Farmer Country only had eyes for each other as they grappled around the meadow, which was unfortunate since there was a large pond that lay on one side, surrounded by a very boggy, muddy bank. The type of muddy bank you should never walk across, because if you do, you are likely to get stuck. They edged closer and closer to the mud. On another day, they may have been lucky and missed it. It was a very large meadow after all. But not that day. And, just as they found themselves by the side of the pond, Farmer Town tripped over an extra-large tuft of grass and, clinging tightly as he was to Farmer Country's shoulders, both men flew over the tuft, landing feet-first in the mud with a loud squelch. Looking down, the two men suddenly saw where they were. They tried to pull their boots out of the mud, but the more they tried, the deeper they sank, until mud began to ooze over the top of their wellies, filling them up slowly like thick, cold syrup. This is your fault, shouted Farmer Country, wriggling his toes inside his sticky socks, which now felt cold and clammy inside his boots. I think you'll find, sir, that the fault lies with you. Farmer Town shouted back as the mud sloshed and squelched inside his boots. And so they began again, and would have continued like this had not, at that very moment, a tiny bog fairy appeared, somersaulting like an acrobat out of the mud. Then, with her hands on her hips, she shouted, Oi! Keep it down, you two. All of your arguing is really getting on my nerves. Some of us are trying to sleep down here. Both farmers froze, apart from their mouths, which slowly dropped open in astonishment as they stared at the tiny creature with her big, bright eyes. They had both heard the local tales of fairies that lived in the mud and how they would look up at the sky through the bubbles, but neither man had ever seen a bog fairy, and this sudden appearance was rather alarming. She was wearing a little T-shirt, wellies, and a traditional carrot-seed skirt, which bog fairies often like to wear. Soft on the inside, and ever so slightly spiky on the outside, much like the bog fairies themselves. These skirts had the advantage of keeping the worms away. Not that bog fairies had anything against worms, mind you. Worms were considered the great masters of the soil. It was just that worms generally liked to cuddle bog fairies, which, as you can imagine, bog fairies found rather irritating. Still frozen with shock, and still slowly sinking into the mud, which was now up to their knees, the farmers 
flicked their eyes to look at each other before flicking them back to stare at the fairy. If you really must know who owns this place, maybe we should ask the meadow who she belongs to, suggested the fairy. And without waiting for an answer, she put her ear into the mud. There she stayed for a few moments, nodding and listening, while the farmers tried to hear what she was saying. Yes, mm-hmm, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, I'll tell him. Then the bog fairy stood up and looked at them intently. Right, you two. I have had a little chat with the meadow and she says that actually she does not belong to either of you. In fact, she says she was here 2,000 years before either of you were born. And after witnessing your terrible behaviour today, she would just like me to say... In the politest possible way, please get off my land. The two farmers stared at the tiny bog fairy, who now had mud smeared all over the side of her face. Both were lost for words. The land meant everything to them, but they never in their wildest dreams thought that it would one day speak to them and stuck in the mud, which was now up to their waists. They both felt ridiculous. They stammered, trying to find the right word to say, but only one seemed appropriate. Sorry, muttered Farmer Town. Sorry, mumbled Farmer Country. That's better. Now let's get you out of this mud, said the Bog Fairy. She stretched out her arm and wriggled her fingers. As she did so, the two farmers felt themselves begin to rise. The mud squelched, squeaked and spluttered as they were magically sucked up and lifted into the air. Big globules of mud dropped like treacle from their boots as they floated along like farmer-shaped clouds through the air before landing in a nice dry part of the meadow. Thank you, the farmers stuttered, looking down at the ground. They were too embarrassed to look the tiny fairy in the eye. Then slowly, they lifted their heads and looked out across the meadow, at the long grass and the beautiful ox-eye daisies and bird's-foot trefoils that swayed in the breeze around them. And, for the first time in their lives, they saw the meadow not as a place to own, but as a place they could enjoy. Finally, they had realised that no one could really own a magical place like that, but the land itself. They looked back down to thank the fairy again, but she had gone. Farmer Town and farmer country looked at each other and smiled. It felt good to smile after all that arguing. Then their smiles turned to laughter as they thought about how foolish they had both been, and the two men shook hands. 
From that day onwards, they forgot about their argument and decided the meadow should belong to everyone. They took their private land signs down and organised plenty of picnics and events in the meadow, which the whole community enjoyed. And it turned out to be much more fun for the farmers than arguing over nothing. Neither farmer saw a bog fairy again after that. But on a calm night, when the breeze was blowing in their farm's direction, they would sometimes hear music coming from the meadow. Beautiful music, with many tiny high voices singing together in harmony. It was fairy music. I always enjoy telling that story. I love its environmental message and of course it's always great fun putting on silly farmers' voices. Now lots of the words I used for farmer country are actually old Hampshire words like anywhen which means anytime and tizzy wuzzy which means undecided. The meadow in the story is now a community woodland which is how it should be I think and the first tree was planted by Princess Anne in 2012. It's called Harmony Woods, and if you visit it, you will see the pond the farmers fell in is still there. Luckily, the kind people from Andover Trees United have put a fence around it, so you don't need to worry about getting stuck in the mud like the farmers did. And you are also much more likely to find a smooth newt by the pond than a fairy these days. I actually know a really good fact about news. I think I'll share it with you. Okay, so let's have a quick quiz. Are you ready? What part of its body can a newt regrow? Is it A. Legs B. Eyes C. Spinal cord D. Heart E. Intestines the answer is all of them. Now that's amazing. Harmony Woods is one of my favourite places near to where I live for a wonder. And so I thought I would toddle up there and have a little chat with Wendy Davis, whose idea it was to create such a special place for us all to enjoy. Here I am in beautiful Harmony Woods, surrounded by wild flowers and young trees. And I'm here with Wendy Davis, who is the inspiration behind all this. So hello, Wendy. Thank you hello. for meeting me. Hello, Amanda. It's a real pleasure. <laughs> it's lovely to, lovely to see you. Now, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, have you ever seen a bog fairy? Or maybe even heard some fairy music floating on the air around here? Well, it's always difficult to tell because when you are in a wild and naturally beautiful place, the sounds are often very magical. And where they come from and quite who's making them is not always clear. 
Mm. We certainly have a wonderful population of skylarks in the wood. Right. And we have beautiful music that can be almost a wall of sound at times. But when that quietens down and the wind is gentler, there are other sounds from the grasses, from the rippling surface water of the pond. Who knows what is making those sounds for us? Now, I know bog fairies are rarely seen. No, they are rarely seen. They like to hide. Yes, they like to hide. They're a bit grumpy they? and they like to hide in the mud. <laughs> So we tend not to disturb the creatures in the pond. Um, but I also believe that, that they they make little bubbles. They do. Little air bubbles that come up. That's right. And, well, when we've got a, a, a gate with a wonderfully positioned arm-resting um, bar yep. and most of us spend part of our day leaning on the on the top wooden bar of the gate looking over onto the pond... And there are often little air bubbles Ooh. that come up to the top. So who knows who whether knows? our bog fairies are there. <laughs> Maybe they are. But there are other creatures, aren't they? There are well, like, newts. I'm sure I've seen there some are. newts when I've been here before. Yes, we have newts and frogs. Frogs? Oh, yes, frogs. and the, we have a wandering newt. That, well, is, actually, is that the official term? Yes. <laughs> we, we can't decide if it's the same newt that goes on lots of adventures and gets found in all sorts of different oh, places. Well, that's a story to be told. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's just lots of newts that are around the place. Um, we have some work being done up here at the moment, um, which involves digging holes, sometimes for archaeology, sometimes for the woodland classroom that we're building. And on two occasions in the last week, people who have been working in holes have surfaced with a newt in their hands. Oh, how wonderful. And so we don't know if it's one very adventurous newt that is wandering <laughs> around the site. <laughs> like They've always found their way back to the pond anyway, yeah. so we have been looking after them. <laughs> so um, Harmony Woods yes. is a particularly wonderful place. Thank you. And... It was your idea. It was. And so where where did this idea come from, Wendy? Well, you just sat there one day and thought, I'm going to create a wood. <laughs> well, probably not far off. Um, the thought, I think it was the culmination of lots of smaller thoughts. Yeah. And a, 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 a challenge that we all face about looking after the world that is our home. And... I worked, uh, I was teaching, I, I taught for um, nearly 30 years, primary schools in the area, and we were able to carry out a lot of environmental work and sustainability work, um, and things began to sort of move and shift a bit, and suddenly there wasn't time to do it in school as we right. had done. Yeah. And I just thought, I wonder how we can resolve this and one of the ideas was if schools were finding it hard to do it on their own maybe if we all got together as one big group and the community stepped up yes. to help maybe that might make a difference so make something for everybody for make something for everybody well, yes the, because i originally wrote this story for you a couple of yes. years ago when we did the flower bed story time That's project right. with grow wild it kew was grow, it was kew gardens yes. wasn't it with grow wild and i remember chatting to you then about one of the themes we really liked in that story 
um, was this idea that you can't own land. Yes. That land should be made available for everybody. Everybody. Yes. And that is what Harmony Woods is all yes. about, isn't it? It so is. So people can just come here and be part of the project. Yes. Um, so, so how would people go about that if they wanted to come up and get involved? Um, we have, for those... Um, who have access to social media and the internet, then yeah. we have a great website and lots of the usual social media platforms. But we are just to the northern edge of Andover, so Harmony Woods is on the northern side of what is now Augusta Park. We do ask people to be respectful of the place because it's a very different sort of place from um, uh, maybe a, a, a park that people might be, you know, parks, yeah. sports grounds in Andover. We've got some beautiful nature reserves. And I think what sets Harmony Woods apart is that it's a place for nature to thrive. And we as humans, we're quite big and we're very heavy footed. Yes, and without are. meaning to, we can do quite a bit of damage to the to the soil and the organisms that depend on it. So we just ask people to come and be thoughtful and respectful. Yeah, well, it's, it's such a beautiful place. I, I, I love it here, I have to say. Every time I come, I just think it's just such a calming, such a, well, just such a lovely place Thank to you. be. Thank to you. Be. Now, I thought it would be fun uh, just to end my little meeting with you today and see if you've got any stories that you might like to tell us, because you must know loads of folklore <laughs> and loads of things about trees and plants. So I'm putting you on the spot of it here, okay. but I don't know whether you've got or you can think of a story that you could share with us. Well, there is a story that I read, actually, um, yep. in a beautiful fairies book when I was a very little girl and I would lose myself in this book which was beautifully illustrated but there was one story about uh, fairies and um, who tiny folk that that lived in the long grasses and were really rarely ever seen um, but like most of us as we age um, fairy folk also gather wrinkles right and there was one particular fairy who was had a, the, the, the magic touch of being able to remove wrinkles uh, kindly <laughs> and naturally. nicely and gently and naturally. And she used to take the wrinkles out and she could remove the wrinkles, but they were real things. So she put them in boxes and the boxes got more and more and more and filled up all her shelves. And one day she realised that although the fairies were wandering around wrinkle-free, she didn't know what to do with all her boxes of wrinkles. Separately from this, as she was walking through the woods one day and, and, and through the meadows, she noticed one of her favourite flowers, the primrose, which had, after a shower of rain, its poor leaves were always flattened to the ground. And she had a brainwave. Oh. Maybe if the rain didn't fall directly onto the leaves and flatten them, because the leaves were smooth, as smooth as silk. And we all know that primroses we see nowadays don't have leaves that are smooth. And that's because of this fairy. Oh. And what she decided was, I wonder if she could take her wrinkles and press them into the leaves of the primroses. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. 
And that would strengthen the leaves and channel all the rainwater down just to the centre of the plant, down to the roots, leaving the leaves to stand up beautifully and pretty around the stems and the flowers. So I believe, if stories are true, that the primroses that we see now as we walk through woodlands with their beautifully veined and wrinkled leaves are the result of this rather... Lovely fairy that so, lived somewhere some time ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, wouldn't it be wonderful if a fairy could just take your wrinkles away yes. and pop them on on a on leaf on a deserving leaf somewhere? Well, they look yes. so lovely on they a leaf. Do. They, they do, do. and they serve such a good purpose. Way more than on our faces. <laughs> Oh, fabulous. Oh, when, well, that's brilliant, Wendy. Thank you so You're much. Welcome. Well, I think that is all we have time okay. um, for today. But before I go, shall we wander over to the pond? Oh, yes. And see if we can... See if we can see one of the bog fairies, but I think you're right. It's a lovely sunny day up here and they're probably sheltering, but they will probably be making bubbles. They will yes. probably be making bubbles. Yes. Right, come on then. And can I say what a pleasure it's been and thank you so much oh. for your stories thank and for you. involving us. Thank you so much. And if people want to get involved, they can go to your website yes. and you've got loads of projects going yes, on lots for and lots. all ages, yes. from little people yes. up to big people. Yes. And yeah, it's lovely. Behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, getting muddy, not getting muddy. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a brilliant community project. Thank so you. thank you. Thank you, Wendy. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the tale and the facts behind it as much as I enjoyed discovering them and writing the story. Thank you for listening. Test Valley Tales is an Arts Council-funded project and part of Test Valley Arts Foundation Borough of Culture Legacy Projects. You can find all sorts of project resources on my website at www.merry-go-roundstorytelling.co.uk forward slash test valley tales there is a downloadable map with postcodes to find all the story locations links to walks and craft activities you can also buy the test valley tales illustrated book of short stories there test valley tales is on instagram facebook and twitter as at test valley tales and this podcast can be found on podbean at podbean.com forward slash test valley tales if you are interested in finding out about other types of storytelling i get up to or you would like to book me for an event you can email me at mgrstorytelling at gmail.com i am on facebook instagram and twitter as at mgrstorytelling and merry-go-round storytelling on youtube I also have another storytelling podcast which can be found at podbean.com forward slash funny tales and fairy tales. And all this information can be found on my website, which is www.merry-go-roundstorytelling.co.uk. Happy storytelling, and I look forward to telling you another tale soon. <laughs>